Well, hello there, friends and listeners. We have missed you. You are here for another episode of Bridging the Digital Divide. And along with me is my Sherpa guide and friend, Brad McKenna. Hello, Brad. Hello, Lisa. Good to see you again. Boy, it's been like forever and ever. Yeah. So Brad and I can see each other. We're doing Skype today. You can't see us, but we can see each other. It's really weird because we're usually across from each other right. in the podcast studio. But where we're just kind of entering into the reopening phase, we are doing it from a technology aspect, which makes sense because this is a technology show. So let's get right into all of this, Brad. How have you been doing with all of this COVID stuff? Pretty good. I mean, everybody's healthy over here. Um it's been weird, uh, as I'm sure everyone has the same feeling, try, trying to figure out what my work life looks like. We were actually working from home for about two months. Uh, we just reported back to the library uh, two weeks ago, the day after Labor Day, uh, Memorial Day. Sorry. See, I don't know what month it I know. Is. I was going to say, well, it could be either one at this point, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. And same thing with WCTV. We've, you know, we're yeah. pretty much close to the public. We are starting to open our doors by appointment only on a very limited basis, doing a lot of Skype interviews and doing a few actual interviews at tables, but of course, measuring out the six feet and all of that. So it's very different, very, very different world, yeah. you know. So I guess one of the main things that is really a hot button topic, and you did make a tutorial for WCTV about it, is Zoom. Yeah, I'm sure right now, if you don't know what Zoom is, you must be living <laughs> under a rock somewhere because everybody knows what Zoom is. But do they really know what Zoom is? Right. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because Zoom is uh, one of many offerings for, or for teleconferencing or video conferencing. And there's many terms for it. And I hadn't actually heard about it until this. So the one that I used to use when I was with Partners Healthcare was WebEx. Um, and it's funny that we use WebEx because Zoom was created by an ex-WebEx employee. Love it. So, yeah, so there's, there's all sorts of connections there. And and I think that, the, that Zoom took off because it's really lightweight, meaning there's not too much to install. Uh, the, the interface isn't really clunky. So people just like kind of jumped on it. Uh, the library did. We gra- we actually uh, purchased a couple of accounts, one for kids and one for adults, because that's the only way we can put on programming now is through th- these kind of services. And the, you can get a free account, but you're limited to 40 minutes. And uh, uh, usually uh, they cap the number of attendees. And so we purchased the pro account, which was like, I think, 20 bucks a month or something. So we could have uh, unlimited time. So that way we wouldn't have to worry about cutting short events. Right. And I think that the school systems uh, have an account where I think that Zoom has been providing them an unlimited access account, I think. Or there's some sort of uh, help that they give to yeah, I think organizations. educational discounts. So like if you're a school or like a nonprofit, I think they do give you some some uh, some slack. But As well they yeah, should. That's yes. right. So it, yeah. was, was Zoom created long before the pandemic situation became, you know, the forefront of everybody's mind? How long has Zoom been out there? Zoom has been around. I'm trying to pull it up here. Uh, I don't see from the U.S. It hasn't been too long. But it's been, it wasn't created like on the heels of the pandemic or right before it. Right. Um, I'm not seeing anything here. Let me see if I can. On the lighter side, do you like it? Do I like Yeah, I mean, I think so. It's 2011. So it's been around since 2011. Okay. Um, 
and, and it's good because it's like, so there was one that we tried uh, through MVLC, the library consortium called Join Me. And it was kind of it was kind of clunky because they tried to get too fancy with the screens. And right. so there was too much going on. And one of the main major uh, issues with video conferencing is buffer. So you need a, you need to make sure that your bandwidth yes. is fast enough to handle it. Oh, I can't wait to talk to you about that. So WCTV yeah. was doing um, we were doing our staff meetings via Zoom. Yeah. Uh, for a while there. And what was happening when I was at home is I was losing the connection. And that's because of bandwidth. So let's refresh our listeners as to why bandwidth is important in this particular situation. Yeah, so bandwidth is is how much how much your internet connection can handle. So bandwidth is really they they it's like a um, the, the internet is like a highway, right? So the information superhighway, and bandwidth is how many lanes are on that highway. And so if you have a two lane highway versus a six lane highway, you're going to go a lot slower on the two lane highway. And then there's the speed of your connection. For in, you pay f- by the tier. So like they, I think the base minimum uh, most you, most places offer is like five megabits per second, which is fairly slow. And then you have like Fios, which is fiber optic. That's like a gigabit per second. And so it's a thousand times faster. And so what you run into in those cases is either bandwidth issue where there's too much going on in your neighborhood or in your house, like you have too many devices connected or it's like really busy or it's, you just don't, you're not paying for enough speed and it, and you don't know that until you try to do something that. Yeah. Which is bizarre because the first day, you know, the first time I did this stuff, I mean, it was great. No problem at all. But the second time it was just kicking me out or the screen would freeze, yeah, you know? So. And so, you know, I'm running downstairs telling nieces and nephews to, you know, shut off <laughs> their computers, yeah. but I don't even think it was them. I think everybody's home right now. Yeah. And so, yeah. How, I mean, I guess, what do you call up Verizon or Comcast and tell them you want to go to the next tier so that you can yeah. do that? So sort of. So like what you what you alluded to there is it wasn't anyone in your house. It right. could be the traffic on the servers that providing your your connection. So I had a similar issue. We had uh, staff meetings for the library. I think at like two o'clock on a Tuesday, and like two fifteen, I would start losing my connection. And what that must mean is so many people are using that internet. They I have RCN, so I have so many people are using RCN's internet connection that they didn't have enough bandwidth themselves. So it's called an ISP, right? Internet right. service provider. And they're the ones who dole out the speed. And that's how everybody connects to the internet is through them. And so it must have been like so many people like did their thing in the morning. And then if they're working from home after lunch or something, they would come home, they would start working. And so the internet would be clogged and your bandwidth wouldn't be big enough. So you know how I'm a little bit scared of technology. If if, if anybody's listened to this podcast (laughs) even once, you know that I have, you know, my doubts. And the first thing I thought was, see how dependent we are on this now. And whoever the guy is that was getting those calls or finding out by looking at his screen that, you know, everything was jammed up, that had to be red alert. Can you imagine from, you know, from their perspective as the provider, they must have been scared to death. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, they ran out of bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so you have that. And then you have Zoom. So, like, we had an issue with one of our library accounts for the Zoom. And they were just inundated. I think they went from 5 million active users in in February to like 250 million active users in March. And they, they were, there was 
they were sinking. They weren't swimming. They were sinking because right. they really they, they, the scalability. So you hear about that a lot in technology is you create a service that works in a small scale. But once people start using it, you know, i.e. you're successful, if you can't scale, that's what you get is you get you get performance issues. And sometimes it's uh, there's there's nothing you can do about it, which is horrible. So luckily, they can't, in these cases, they can't fix it. So it depends. It depends on what the issue is. So they have to add more servers to to right, balance right, right, the load. Right. Is the, does the technology does the platform itself not 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 smart enough to mm, handle? Interesting. The load? So, so it really depends. So I guess in a way, maybe a silver lining would be that we get to see from everybody using Zoom where the bugs are, so that if oh, we yeah. ever need it for a more serious situation, which I can't imagine too much more serious than what we're already going through, maybe yeah. right now they're fixing all the little problems and making more servers and adding more servers and connecting so, more stuff. One, one thing they did, they, they one thing this pandemic has done has changed the English language. So now there's something called Zoom bombing. And Ugh. that was due to a flaw, security flaw in Zoom. Um, and the easiest workaround is you, when you create a Zoom account, you just, one, enable the waiting room so people can't automatically join, and two, put a password on it. So that is an easy way to protect yourself on your side. But they needed to change their security method, and they went out and, hi and hired three different people. They, hi they hired Alex Stamos to fix the security issues. They hired Luda Security to help find new bugs, so to be proactive. And then they acquired a company called Keybase to help with the end-to-end -end encryption, which would prevent this Zoom bombing. So Zoom was actually pretty responsive with their issues. They were certainly inundated with, with trouble. But they they didn't kind of like try to point fingers and they 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 look to fix the issue instead of kind of saying, well, you know, what do you want us to do? They did right. stuff. Proactive. What's funny about Zoom, too, is just before the pandemic, you know, I want to be clear about this. I know that some people believe and it could be true that, you know, COVID has been around for a long time. But just before it became mm -hmm. a news item is what I want to say. In March, early March, I had just started hearing about this Zoom thing. Yeah. And then when everything changed and everybody kind of was working from home and scrambling, that's when Zoom became huge. Yeah, and it has to do with their interface. Like I was saying earlier, a lot of people went to it because it's really easy. I mean, uh, the video I provided for WCTV really tells you how, how easy it is. You have to install an agent on your computer or laptop or phone even. And then you, it just passes off and you join it so easily. So I was using my so Kindle to do it. Can you imagine? Oh, really? uh, yeah, and it was working. It, it worked great until they had the bandwidth issue. Yeah. Um, and I was shocked that it could handle it, my little Kindles. I love them. But yeah, and then I've, I've done it on my phone, of course, and, and laptops and stuff like that, just to kind of see. I don't like it, though. No. Um, I, I like the interface. As you said, it's super duper easy. Yep. I get very uncomfortable with all these faces and panels. and It's very jarring to me. Um, I don't I just don't like it. It's too much going on yeah, for me. And I've heard that people are getting eye strain from it and other issues because your brain has to reconfigure and look around the screen to kind of figure out where everybody is. I mean, it's it's a you know, I thought it was cute looking as far as how it looks, sure. but I find it super distracting. So there's actually like something called Zoom fatigue now or virtual right. meeting fatigue because everybody's in meetings all day. And like you said, uh, the gallery view is what they call all those little pictures right yes. there. So you're looking at like sometimes a dozen people at once. And right. it's overwhelming. Very 
you, you can change that to what they call the speaker view. And so you have a big window in the middle with the person who's speaking. But then at the top of the screen, you'll have at least four or five other people. So it kind of right. scales it down, but it's, it's a similar issue. Right. Here's the other thing that I find odd about it, too. So you have to be constantly mindful that you're on like TV. Because, yeah, you know, you're like if you're doing yeah. it from your house, you know, the first time I did it from my house, I realized I was sitting right in front of a window. Yeah, so, you know, the, every, the glare, yeah. you don't think about those things, you know, or I've seen on TV, you know, different hosts are doing Zoom or Skype or whatever they're using to have their virtual shows. And I find myself looking at their backgrounds. Oh, what are those <laughs> pictures of her children over there? Oh, yeah. you know, there's her dog. So that part of it has made me mindful of what my quote set is going to yeah. look like from where I'm zooming. You know, yeah, I, no, you have to you you have to really pay attention. It's not something you're used to doing, right? Because if you're in a meeting at work, you know, you don't have to think about what's behind you because you're at your job. But when you're at home, it kind of blurs the line between work right. and personal life, right? So right. it's, it's and- tough. It's easy to forget that oh, yeah. everyone can see you. You know, when you're yeah. in a conference room, you're very yeah. aware that you're making eye contact. You sure. know, but this is something that I found myself drifting a little bit, sort of. You know, someone is speaking, and I'm looking around at all the other yeah. people in the box, too, it's and I'm really... listening, but it's not the same. Now, one of no. the things I noticed that we'll call them Zoomers are doing, the folks that are hosting the meetings, sure. they're allowing people to comment and call in. How do they do that? Yeah, so because uh, because you can actually do use the phone over the internet, it's called VoIP, Voice Over uh, IP, and that allows Zoom to basically have telephony. And so you can set up a meeting, and if you notice in the meeting invites, they always provide like a, a number. It's not a one eight hundred number, but it is kind of like a almost like just a switchboard. And so you can call in and from your phone and not actually be in the Zoom meeting itself, but just listening to it audio only. The other thing you can do is chat. So most of these uh, devices or services have a chat function. And so you can just type a message to like everybody or someone. So there's there's so much going on, right? So you could be talking to someone uh, through the video if somebody could listening in and then people could be having a text conversation on the side. So there's a lot of pieces. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot for the little brain to fathom, I think. <laughs> and on top of that, too, I know that, um, you know, early on, I think when we were all learning to use this technology, you know, from a government meeting standpoint or the library meetings or what have you, mm-hmm. you know, first it was an open invitation. Everybody could come. But then I think when people realized that would mean you would open it up to hundreds and hundreds of people to be able to call in and see you. Is there a limit as to how many Zoomers can be on Zoom at one time? Together. The, yeah, it depends on your plan. So, like, the pro plan that we have is um, caps at 100, uh, but you can get, like, an enterprise plan that is unlimited. Um, yeah. So, it, and it depends, too, especially, like, uh, municipal meetings, like certain library meetings by, by the, I guess, charter laws of the city or whatever. You have to be open. It's an open meeting. Transparency, so, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, if you have a meeting that's usually held, like, say, in the library, anyone can come into the library and sit in that meeting. And so when we moved over to Zoom, we had to do that phone call, that that phone in, um, because you can basically give someone the phone number but not the link, and they can call into the meeting. And that kind of gives us control over uh, interruptions. And so we want basically just like the people who are supposed to be in that meeting, the decision makers. They're the only ones who can talk and be seen. Uh, And then you you basically have to have two different people in these meetings. You have to have the chair of the the committee or whoever's – 
running the meeting. And then you have to have a monitor, a moderator, really, to ch to monitor the the chat, because uh, that's where you would see the people who call in. Their numbers would be listed in like a little chat, and you can you can you can virtually raise your hand when you call in, and like a little icon of a hand pops up next to the number. And so, if someone wanted to ask a question, you would acknowledge them, and then they could speak. But they're muted by default. So it's like two people to run a virtual meeting. Right. And on top of that, again, that that talks about what I just said, which is, okay, I'm watching, let's say, the selectman from home, and I'm able to call in. I need to remember that I can be seen yeah. now. Oh, yeah. You know, there's no anonymity. And, no. you know, when you don't realize that, and you, you know, these meetings are replayed, and people, you know, this, this lives forever. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I find myself <laughs> being much more cognizant. I mean, because I'm in the television world, I am usually, you know, mindful of microphones are on, things can get sure. said, you know, right. but uh, it's a very different mindset to be very mindful of exactly what you're saying, what people are hearing. You know, you don't want to be drinking something and swallowing because everybody hears that, you know. So it's, it's a whole different world of concentration that you don't have to have when you're face to face. Right. Yeah. We ran into um, like echoes. So one thing that you can have is like if a, a panelist or one of the members of the Zoom is in a bad location and it echoes, what, what you'll hear is you'll speak and then you'll hear yourself speak from someone else's mic. And so you, ha you have to mute everybody, essentially. So by default, right. people are muted. I mean, we're just the two of us. So we're obviously we have to be unmuted. But even if you get to like three people, you almost have to like by default mute because you you can't account for something that's going to happen behind somebody or right. you know, like I said, bad, bad placement of wherever they are. Right. And then, you know, you have the ambient noise, your oh, dog, sure. your kid, the phone, you know, the Amazon guy delivering yet another package. I mean, anything can happen. So you have to be mindful of that too. What we also noticed here is when we're all in different rooms using Zoom, you know, sometimes some of us were here, some of us weren't the echo. So, you yeah. know, we'd have to make sure that, you know, we would shut each other's office doors or one of right. us would go in the conference room because the echo from hearing each other, there's a delay and yep. you'd be like, well, you know, I can hear you, but you're you're coming in crazy, you know, so it's just, it's just a learning curve like everything sure. else, you oh, know. Yeah. So what do you think? Shall we go to our food for thought? Do it. All right. Hang on. Technology tidbit, food for thought. So uh, I, I did some research because there are so many different video conferencing uh, services. I wanted to find the first one, and so I did. The first video call was made by AT&T, if you remember Bell Labs, sure. uh, on something called, creatively enough, a picture phone. And the year, 1956. Wow. So, so obviously the service didn't take off. Wow. But um, on the companion page, I have, a t I have a link to a timeline. And the first time someone thought of it was actually Edison back in 1870. And so the idea for like a video conferencing is it goes back well over 100, like 150 years. So it's, it's incredible. <laughs> wow. I know when you look at some of the older science fiction shows, you know, we've talked about this before. And you can see, you know, that the things that they were saying are here. It's all here yeah. now, you know. It's crazy. It's great, though. So how is the library utilizing Zoom and Skype and things like that? I know you do some classes and things like that. Let's talk a little bit about what the library is doing now. Yeah, so we, we're doing we're doing uh, all of our programming has moved to our most of our program has moved to Zoom accounts. Those uh, presenters that can do it through Zoom. Sometimes we had like musicians. We can't really do that through Zoom, um, but just like people giving lectures. 
they will basically just do it through Zoom. Um, Barbara, the children's librarian, has been doing story times through Facebook Live, which is isn't like Zoom where it's interactive. It's kind of a one-way street. So Barbara will be reading the story, and then the kids that sign on can like you know give those little heart emojis or thumbs up emojis, so they can interact with it. Because a lot of the internet is asynchronous, so that means like this show people will be watching on the internet, but it will be over by the time they watch it. And so right. there's a kind of thrill to like real time. Uh, interaction. And that's neat for kids to have something fun to do while they're, you know, virtually learning at home too. Yeah, for sure. Um, And so we've been doing all that, uh, a lot of this stuff through the virtual conferencing, but our vendors have been fantastic. So when it, when it started, Ancestry.com, we have a subscription, but it was library in library use only, and they opened it up to everybody. So now you can do it from home. Uh, Freegal, which is a service for streaming music, used to limit people to three hours per day. They went unlimited. Uh, Canopy, which is like documentaries, uh, and Overdrive had what they call credit-free viewing so or reading. So like they opened up a lot of stuff for free. Um, another kid database called TumbleBooks actually offered other databases for, for free. So the library has been very lucky that a lot of the people that we do business with um, were willing to change change the game, and we've been able to offer the library a li- library patrons a, a lot. Uh, we do right now. We're doing curbside delivery, so you can actually request books, and we will bring them out to your car. But you're not allowed in the library yet, and that piece is is the piece that people miss the most is coming right. into the right. library. That's pretty cool, though, that, you know, you're doing everything you can to provide the services that people need. And I know people miss the library. Um, I did a little segment called Talk of the Town with Jen and Jeff Bryson, who opened their own little bookstore on their street. And the reason they did that was because they missed the feel of actually touching Mm -hmm. the books and the whole library experience, you know. So hopefully soon you'll be able to get back to some kind of you know, human interaction within the library. Yeah, it's moving the right direction, slowly. Yep, yep. But it's so tell me, anybody up against Zoom that's trying to compete with them? So, I mean, so, yeah, you have, like I said earlier, WebEx is, is still a really popular one. We're on, we're on Microsoft. You're on Microsoft Skype, and I'm on actually Microsoft Teams. And so Teams is just basically a bigger version of Skype. So, like, I could share my screen if you were on Teams as well. Um, so they're doing that. Microsoft is doing that. And Google actually has had something called Hangouts, which is... Oh, I remember hearing about like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what they did is they offered their Google Meets, which, again, has like screen sharing and a larger um, audience or participant pool that you can do it. So Google and Microsoft, two big, you know, big, big boys on the block, are kind of creating their own... Not creating, but broadcasting the fact that they already have something that can compete with Zoom. And so I'll be really interested to see if Zoom remains like the top video conferencing platform when this is over, because like we've been saying, it's got a really good interface. But then again, we're not using Zoom right now. And this was right, easy. But that's only because I like Skype better. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can see that. No, I mean, I like you know, Skype because, OK, it's what I know. And I think Zoom is going to stay just fine. That would be my prediction because it's what people know. So, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I first learned how to use Skype, that's what I use because that's what I know. So everybody right now that's been using Zoom will probably stick with that platform because it's known. 
it's known yeah. to them. I also think it's interesting that kids, yes, they were already computer savvy, but how much more technology are they absorbing by having to do virtual learning, too? You know, so it's a good thing, bad thing. There's this little bit of a silver lining there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah I, can... I, have, I have a neighbor who's a, who's a teacher and she said that it's the, it's tough on the kids because like we said earlier, the whole Zoom fatigue type thing, it's yeah. different. It's different to learn online. So I, I, I feel so bad for the kids uh, that graduated this year because like the last two months it was just just a mess because it's, right. it's not it was good that we have this service. But it's by no means equal to in-person interaction. Right, right. And, we, and we've already talked a thousand times on this show about how technology can keep people from making that personal connection. And so I do, you know, I am concerned about the human interaction piece. It's different seeing somebody on a screen than it is in person. But we yeah. also have to err on the side of caution because of what's going on, you know. So. Absolutely, yeah. And this is better than, it's better than nothing. And that is true. It's better than it would have been 10 years, even 10 years ago. It right. Was, uh, we're in a better position to handle this kind of Right, pandemic. because, I mean, what would be, we be doing otherwise? Megaphones? Outside yeah, of our you houses? Know. You know, what, what would we be doing if this were, you know, say 50 years ago? I don't know. It'd be very different. So let's tell folks about the companion page. Sure. So uh, on the Wilmington Library's website, that's wilmlibrary.org, there is a companion page, as Lisa said, that ha will have uh, further reading, a little more details over what we're talking about. Uh, just go to wilmlibrary.org slash BDD. You'll see that. And then on the left, you'll see actually um, an index, I guess you would say, of all of our previous episodes. Excellent. And can you throw the Zoom tutorial down there, too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, put that on the companion page, yeah. too. And that way, you know, if you're just learning about Zoom or you, you know what it is, but you want to set it up, you'll have yeah. the tutorial there to look at. Well, thank you so much, Brad, for stopping by. I hope the next episode we do will be in person. Maybe. We'll it, see. It could happen. Yes. Yeah. All <laughs> right. Thank you so much, Brad, and thank you for listening. This has been Bridging the Digital Divide here at WCTV, Wilmington Community Television. Thanks so much for listening.